Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mad Sounds Podcast. Matt Maynard is here with me. How are you, Matt? I'm very well, William. Very well. And excited to be joined by our guest, Mr. Carlo himself. We've got him back on the pod. Carlo, thanks for having me. I'm well. I thought I might not get an invite after I slagged off the rifles last time out, but I'm back. So uh, thanks for having me. Well, you'll, you'll be shocked to hear that they don't actually listen to the podcast. So, yeah, you'll, that's your reprieve. Well, you never not, know. Not yet, anyway. Anyway, Matt, what has been going on? Well, I mean, what I want to say is that Mr. S- Mr. Stephen over here, I just don't know what to call him, do I? Just, just skirting around his name. Um, he's, the last time he was on, we'd only had one podcast. It was the Joe Carnow episode. Um, do go and check it out, guys, if you if you haven't heard it. It's, it's, a, it's a belter. The story of Milburn and other such Sheffield bands. Um, but Stephen um, came on after that. And since then, we've you know we've had a few pods. We've been doing our um, record store podcast where we've been talking yeah. to media types and known faces about their three favourite albums. We had Tim Stillman on, uh, Boyd Hilton, Sean Walsh. But um, I think the Tim Stillman one was definitely one that probably would have resonated with old Carlo here because I know he's a big fan of some of those albums, particularly uh, In Rainbows by Radiohead. So um, what did you think of Tim Stillman and his analysis of one of your favourite albums of all time? Yeah, I loved it. I couldn't have uh, I couldn't have put it any better myself, really, than what he did. Like, uh, especially the um, I think he summarised it as being almost like the mish of everything good about Radiohead that came before and after. It's all in that one album, and I think that the way he uh, he articulated that was amazing. But yeah, I mean, his knowledge was just incredible as well. Like, he obviously just knew so much. It was interesting to hear hear his take on uh, how he bought it as well, because obviously such a yeah, big thing within Rainbows, it, isn't it? Yeah, listening back, it was really um, an, artic- an articulate look. You could say at three, well, three amazing albums. We also had John Dawkins on, um, various artist management, Tom Grennan, Libertines, Laura Carner, among others. How, how did you find that one? Yeah, loved it. It's the, like the part of music that you've, I, to be honest, I've never, you never really think about it. Do you, I mean, maybe occasionally, but it's only really when he was telling the stories that you're like, that's mad that like some of this stuff happens. And like, I think everyone would say, like, I know we spoke about it before, like, off off camera but the uh when he's talking about how he sets up bands for success or how they set them up giving like tom clark of the enemy like books and stuff that might it's influence mad. his writing and like it's mad, isn't i think it? Yeah. did he even say like he was in, like wardrobe maybe a bit as well and like giving him like wardrobe mm. to kind of influence that which is is mad really to think because i think that we put so much onus on the artists themselves and the fact that that would you know i think we should that see would what all guys in the scenes but yeah, then I would absolutely. Love, I think I would love you guys to get Tom Clark as well to get his take on that, and generally not just him, but like other artists, because it's probably yeah, yeah. a two-way no, story no that as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it's good to hear your thoughts, and there'll be lots, lots more coming up on, on the podcast front, the record store, and behind the scenes, etc. Matt, what's been going on in music in general? Current affairs, news. Yeah, news. well, as you know, as I take on the mantle of looking through the musical. Uh, Twitter's the musical news stories of the world. Um, I found nothing, but then <laughs> on Friday night, I was watching TV and Jules Holland came on, and I was oh, like, yeah. "Oh, he's back!" And I thought, "What's what's this going to be then? How are they going to do this?" And it was actually really well done. So Christine Queens was like the main guest throughout the episode, so she kept popping up, and it was like a, this interview they kept going back to, and it was really good because she always is a good interview. I think she always got a lot to say. And it may, always amazes me how well she articulates herself in, in English as well. Better than like most people, English people in bands anyway. Yeah. And yeah. Um, she also picked five classic performances. I think it was five from, you know, Jules history. So you had like 
Bowie from '99, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is great!" You know, I've just did, I've just been watching this for five minutes, and now I'm watching Bowie on Jules in '99. And then um, she picked like she picked some contemporary stuff. She like picked like Janelle Monet from 2010. She picked like Kanye West, um, MC Solar, who's the French guy, and um, Bjork. She picked. So yeah, it was cool just to see some classics. I'm looking out to see who um, who's going to be on in the coming weeks. But it was yeah, always good to have a bit of Jules back on the screen, isn't it? He's going to go on exactly. forever. Jules is, is a staple. I mean, I don't watch it every week, but I think if there's just like a good performance, it always ends up on Twitter or something like that. Anyway, you see like a he's such a Okay. he's just an ever present it, like you said then he's back and I'm thinking well he's someone who just never goes away and like Doesn't in the most he? positive way as well like I don't think anyone has anything but relatively good feeling towards Jules Holland and the show of Jules Holland it's like the one consistent whichever era you're in and whatever music is around at the time there he is yeah. popping up on his Thursday nights he's never far away he's quite a vanilla character as well I don't think he ever causes um, too much controversy but one person who's caused controversy and producer Matt's put this in a rain order as we get stuck into the, the meat and bones of what seems to be a controversial statement is Matt Healy who let's be honest when I, when I hear Matt Healy it sounds like a budget league one centre forward um, <laughs> it doesn't sound like a rock star at all but he's from ni- the 19 he's, you put Matt Healy from 1975 in the running order um, Can we just, just before you get to that, because you mentioned about him sounding like a League One footballer, no one ever refers to the fact that the least rock and roll thing ever is that he is the son of Denise Welch, the yeah, woman from yeah. Coronation Street, which like, and Loose Women, and other always women. blows my mind. <laughs> oh, she's Loose Women, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just remember she's that. She's yeah. not cool, but... Well, I don't know. She's a bit bullshit, isn't she? You've got to give a credit well, for that. From, from loose women to loose statements. Matt, what did he say? Well, we thought that this was a, a band that might be quite well-liked by some of our listeners. We, you know, Me raising this might have been more of an issue. But as I feel no full well, none of our listeners are going to give a fuck about 1975. So he said, um, he described his band as the definitive band of the decade. So the one that's just gone. Yeah, right, wouldn't, have thought, wouldn't have thought so. Yeah, but, you know. no chance. Anyway, we, we all agree that that's a load of bollocks. I'm not going to give this any more airtime because that's clearly untrue. But one thing he did say, and it has, you know, I've put my producer cap on and spun it into a new idea. He said that he thought Radiohead um, were the band of the 90s. Do we agree with that is what I'm getting at here. So I've devised a little game. Um, and I think you two are going to go head to head in a battle for the 90s. And I'm going to say that old Carlo yeah. is going to argue for Radiohead and tell us why they are the definitive band of the decade. I'm sure he won't be too unhappy with that. I'm sure he probably agrees with that. And then, Mr. Will Sparks, you will be arguing for a band that I know you love as well. Dearly. It's Oasis. Dearly indeed. It's Oasis, and yeah. So it's going to be Radiohead versus Oasis. Now, so I'm going to get my stopwatch ready. So we're going to do this matchup for the 90s and then we're going to do the noughties and then we're going to do the 2010s. Question: Yeah, is are our arguments based on that band's actions in that decade exclusively? Yes. Yeah, okay. if they're gonna if they're gonna be the band of the decade of that decade, I think. Right, I mean, you can fair. allude you can allude to previous, I think, but it or post sort of needs to involve. Yeah, does okay. need to be, it needs to have a link to that decade. Oh, so um, who's up first? Are we are we co- are we coin tossing? Or who's going first? I mean, I don't know. You can toss what you want, mate. But um, we'll no, Steve, you, Steve, you look pretty pensive about this. So I, I'm, um, I'm going to bat. I'll batter in with Oasis, no problem. You know what? What's going to come out of my mouth is going to probably make no sense. But get your pen and pa- get your pen and paper out. Wipe your thoughts down, and I'll give it a go with Oasis. Go on. You're going first. <laughs> yeah. Why not? All right. All right. Well, you, you've got thirty seconds. Starting in five. Three. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell. Three, All right. Go then. Two. How long did you want? No, nah, it'd be too much pressure if it was longer, mate. Right, 30, 30 seconds, seconds starting, starting now. Uh, okay, so I'm arguing for Oasis. I would argue that Oasis are the definitive band of the decade. Not so much as What's the Story, Morning Glory. Um, shut up. No, I'm getting an extra five seconds for that. That put me off. Not not so much as What's the Story, Morning Glory is the fourth best-selling British album of all time behind ABBA and Queen's best, greatest hits or whatever. But also, the I think the sound they generated is like no other band that came before them. And I, I would go as controversial to say even the Rolling... I think they were much better at sounding than the Rolling Stones and the Beatles in terms of their production. Um, definitely influenced by, uh, but I'd say better sound than the... I'd, I'd say so I gave you five seconds. You know, a unique sound, better than the what had come before them. I was getting from that argument. 
I, I might as well and, just have gone with they're fucking they're fucking wicked, didn't they? You know. Yeah, you, you might as well have. You might as well have. Can I have yeah. thirty seconds again? No. Um, go on, go on, go on. It's over to Carlo. And then. I will be, yeah, it's over to Carlo. He's got a chance here. He's got, a, he's, they smell it. I've seen it The away team. Radiohead have come over to I've been, sti- I've been stitched up here. I got put off and fucking haircut over there comes in and fucking distracts me. Wow. 30 seconds starts in five, four, three, two, one. I will put a case forward for Radiohead on the basis that they redefined what it meant to be a modern rock band in the 90s by having a constant obsession with evolution and challenging the cultural boundaries of what it means to be a traditional rock band from the more mainstream stadium fillers such as Creep into the more darker and curious of the bends and then concluding the decade with as close as you'll get to a near-perfect album in OK Computer. Um, They constantly took their fan base on this journey of of constant evolution without without ever sacrificing Uh, Hang on, no, 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 that's not fair because he he was was cooking there. Thank fuck you. Five seconds. 35 second game, I heard. That's true, yeah. actually. I'll have mine again, but there's no way I'm having Radiohead over Oasis anymore. You're like, you've that got another game. quite quickly, though. That's the time thing, mate. Well, I think that it's only fair that um, Radiohead take the victory there. Thank so. you very much. Whatever. See, he's put him off. He's, he's absolutely his head's gone after five seconds. Took their fan base on this journey through right. evolution. <laughs> Rubbish. Well, I don't. Rubbish. I, that's true. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't amazing. But I don't know what you said. Like, <laughs> do you want to sing about? Do you want to sing about monkey turns to humans or cigarettes and alcohol? Is that what you want to hear from your music? Right. The next Ugh. one is uh, oh, me, me taking on Sparky, and uh, I'm going to be. I'm tired. It's been a brown envelope passed about here for a bit of 40 second, bit of 40 second nonsense. Right. Be, let you go first, Matt. Right, come on then. So, 30 seconds on why the Strokes were the best band of the noughties, starting in three, two, one, go. Uh, well, the Strokes were the definitive band of the decade because they basically formed the indie movement of the decade. Every band that came, every great British UK indie band, the Arctic Monkeys, the Maccabees, they were all inspired by The Strokes because of their amazing album, Is This It, which was flawless, one of the most perfect indie albums I've ever heard. And then they followed it up with their unique-sounding Julian Casablancas with his um, high-pitched voice with Room on Fire and First Impressions Earth, also great albums. And th- they came back stop, recently... Stop, 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 With his high-pitched voice. Enjoyed that bit. <laughs> <laughs> that real highlight of The Strokes in the North is Julian's high-pitched voice. Very good. William. 30 yeah. seconds on the Libertines as the definitive band of the noughties in three, two, one, go. I think Matt's right. I think the strokes were maybe started in the movement, but I'd say the Libertines definitely better sounding. Uh, the sound is much more raw. It's much more pure. It's much louder. And it's a lot more real as well. I don't think it's as posery. I don't think it's as image based. I think it's got a, more, a lot more authenticity about it. Um, fantastically produced Bernard Butler, Mick Jones. Um, I m- much prefer the production. I think it's a definitive band of the decade purely because what it meant to people more than it did the strokes. Bang on 30 seconds. Though. Well, I think he scored. He scored an own goal at the start. You love a con- you love a concise he, one, didn't you? He jumped I in thought- and scored an own goal. Yeah, but yeah, it depends how you it depends how you see definitive. I mean, maybe they did start the indie movement. I just think the Libertines did it better. I thought you were actually just going to say Matt's right that the Strokes were <laughs> the definitive half from the noise. I don't necessarily believe that. I did want to I did want to bat for the Strokes in this argument, but I got I got put into the Libertines. So I've got yeah, that's I've got to put them up in a fight. Uh, I've got a fight for Pete. I've got a fight for a band that I don't. Well, I do love the Libertines. You love maybe the not as much as Stro- yeah, I know I love the Libertines, but I also love the Strokes. It's it's difficult. And I did my best. You, I think I'm not like the Strokes. <laughs> choosing between two poor batsmen, basically. But what? Because ultimately, yeah. you're basically both talking about one album. Really, you're not really talking about a definitive band. But I do think that the two points that are both very fair and actually hard to distinguish is like the authenticity of the Libertines versus the influence of the Strokes. Mm. And that is actually quite difficult to choose between. No. It's 30 seconds is difficult as well. Well, you're, you're not basing it on social to... history you're, or history at all. You're basing it on the arguments. So I am going to give the win to the strokes just because of the influence not so much because of the argument to be honest but because of the influence because you know what 
you know, there's an album coming out 15 15 years later, there's an album coming out and the first line is about wanting to be in the strokes. You've got to think that they had a pretty big influence. Exactly. That was my point. Um, We're going to finish with... Not particularly well. (laughs) We're going to finish with me versus Carlo. And I've got a real trouble. I've got problems here because I'm arguing for Tame Impala as the definitive band of the decade, of the previous decade. And I'm going against... I'm going against Carlo, who is going to be representing Arctic Monkeys. So, uh, Will, you will be hosting. Yeah, I've got my stopwatch out. And I've lost twice now, and I've gone up to the referee's chair, the umpire's <laughs> chair for this one. Um, oh, speak but, to him, he knows all about refs. Well, <laughs> um, let's have a look. Right, Matt, your time starts in three, two, one have you made notes are you reading these out well, I've just got the list of albums okay no just checking gotta be fair <laughs> in this process not beer at all after two losses but Matt your time starts in three two one um well Tame Impala I'm not going to try and pretend that they're better than Arctic Monkeys but let's talk about the influence they've had on bands like Arctic Monkeys because when I was uh, watching them at Glastonbury a few years ago I saw Alex Turner and Miles Kane at the side of the stage absolutely loving it Alex Turner absolutely loves them they are the band for musicians Kevin Parker what he does with instruments he he micromanages the whole process he knows exactly what sound he wants for all of it and he's fused different types of music to something we've never heard before he is groundbreaking the music he's produces current is one of the greatest albums I've ever heard. Time is up. Ooh, Thank big you, Big claim there. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Big claim. Oh, it's nerve-wracking, this. And in the red corner, from Sheffield, England... Well, you're not from Sheffield, I mean, when you were from Maystone, Kent, but from Maystone, Kent, Steve, Carlo, Pryor, you're up now with Arctic Monkeys in three, two, one, go. Uh, Arctic Monkeys entered the decade of the tens, coming off the hysteria of the noughties, where uh, they Wikipedia, were basically yeah. considered to be the, the, the greatest band of that era. And they managed to achieve the impossible in the tens of really actually living up to the hype, uh, transcending different styles from the indie of Socket and Sea into the global super album that is AM and into the more abstract Bowie inspired Tranquility Bass. Um, they managed to stay at the front of popular mainstream culture whilst doing it entirely on their terms, and that's why they're the best band of the tens. 30 seconds, bang on. Well done, Steve. I read that review in Pitchfork last week, I think. Yeah, I wrote it. So I've I've got to decide. So what are the scores and the doors? So um, Carlo's got one and Matt's got one. So this is is essentially a decider, right? It is. That's true. It's funny how it's worked out. So. Based on nothing. You don't... You're an alien. You've never heard of these bands. You've never heard their music. You're just listening to these arguments. Easy winner. So I'm... I'm going to give it to Steve and the Arctic Monkeys. And the, re- the reason is because, Matt, the first 15 seconds of your argument was claiming that yes. they are influential because Miles Kane was standing at the side of the stage <laughs> loving it. Jumping up and going, up and down, going, this band are fucking brilliant. Wow. Whereas Steve was, Steve was having a good stab at it. But I'm not having the first 15 seconds. You know what? The latter 15 seconds was, was actually so true. And the micromanagement of the music, and I think he's definitely had an influence on everyone who's come after him but I'm not having Miles Kane in his little party hat and streamer at the side <laughs> grabbing the points for you here so Steve well done enjoy the money go and spend it on something Thanks. useful and, and go and get some lessons in some, some grace and decorum and some music <laughs> as well I'm so, going to absolutely crease next time I see some artist at the side of the stage and Tame Impala <laughs> playing and someone's pointing not at Tame Impala but they're pointing oh. Whoever the nobody is at the side going, that is why they're the best band of this decade. Because <laughs> they're there at the side. Oh, do you see that? God, did you see that the other day? Head Sheeran at the side of Little Mix. He's fucking loving it. <laughs> oh, that was the most oh. stressful 30 seconds of my life. That was horrible. Oh, talk, talk, that was that. My face has actually gone red. Thank God no one can see it. And thank God this oh. other guy on video. Uh, talking about co- another competition that is, uh, it's not going to be done on the podcast. We have got the World Cup of Indie Landfill coming up on Twitter. If you, you're not following, us on Twitter, please do. We're at Mad Sounds London. Uh, we, we don't allow just people from London. In fact, we rely on people way from outside London to listen to this. And thanks if you have done. But uh, it's uh, Mad Sounds London on um, on Twitter. Uh, write that down. Give us a follow. The World Cup of it. We did a World Cup of Arctic Monkeys. Five oh five won that, and we're going a World Cup of Indie Landfill. So if you want to suggest any bands, get suggesting um, yeah. the most tenuous one-hit wonder, enemy, best of two thousand and seven band you can think of. Get them in. We'll slot them in the group mm. stages and we'll, uh, we'll take it to the world. 
Who's are you looking, well, are you looking for the best indie band or the most indie landfill band? No, they, they have to be the best, but we're not going <laughs> to yeah. allow bands like Archer Monkeys in the competition. You know, no Libertines, no Strokes. It's going to be a, it's going to be a celebration no of those that skirted around the, you it's, know, yeah, they have to table, but perhaps never made it, yeah. And also were around then and aren't, and aren't around now. I guess we're talking like Pete and the Pirates, Gwilla Mott's. Vines, rakes, that That's sort, that sort of, uh, that sort of, yeah, absolutely, that that sort of jam. But yeah, um, get get on the get on the World Cup. Oh, I'd have the view down. I'd have them down as strong contenders. Big big fan of the view. Maximo um, Park. Although they yeah, you like a bit of Maximo but... Park, don't you? Old, don't you, Maynard? I do like a bit of Maximo Park. Yeah. Can, yeah. can just before we go on, can you um can you please enlighten us about um, Maximo Park's appearance on um. <laughs> <laughs> was it oh, yeah. yeah so my my brother um has has a, a one-year-old and so he was watching cbb's and he sent me a video of maximo park playing a live set <laughs> on cbb's <laughs> and they changed the words i think it was our velocity i think yeah well the weird timing he's just facetiming me how what, weird that's my park like, my brother do you, do you want to come on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> see, Matt, see Matt's brother standing at the side of the stage yeah, FaceTiming see how much he loves it but yeah but, uh, do make sure you check out the World Cup of Indy Landfill we're going to be launching that uh, very soon on Twitter so keep an eye out Matt if you want to take us on to the next sort of game battle what we, whatever we've got going on it's you devised game. it it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a fun game it's a game based pod this isn't it but you know Love like I say I looked around there wasn't that loads of music news going on so We've got to find our own entertainment. We'll create our own, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at a running order, mouth-watering. Yeah, this is the Battle of the Bands. Original name, that, obviously. Um, so I thought about it. I thought we get bands to go against each other to decide who is the better band based on their studio albums. And so they have to have had the same amount of albums to go up against each other. And I picked two bands that we play their, plenty of their records at our nights, and our listeners would be fans of these bands. So I've gone for two bands with six albums, Kasabian versus The Strokes. And The Strokes obviously getting a bit of airplay today. We will be voting between the three of us on each album and in each matchup and to decide which is the best. So obviously as there's three of us, there'll always be a winner. But as there are six albums, it could end in a 3-3 tie, um, which is fine. The draws, draws are okay in this world. Doesn't draws have to be a winner. Happen. Yeah, draws, draws happen. happen. What's the first matchup we've got then? Put so, in my head, but the first matchup is Kasabian's self-titled album, Kasabian, up against "Is This It." I think okay, that's that's a three 0 win for "Is This It." I'm moving yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> the, the feature has to have some discussion. That's sort of what makes a podcast. Is this it? I mean, like pound for pound, it's one of the best albums of all time. Not even indie albums, just like any, any yeah. album recorded, in my opinion. I know that's a very really general generic thing to say, but I think if you go through it, like the, the quality of production and just the quality of licks and hooks and riffs and just everything merged together, I think it really helps that the Strokes have a second guitarist as well because it allows Albert Hammond Jr. to just absolutely go ballistic and just, just do what he wants whilst the, the band maintains a really tight, um, sort of tight four-piece in the background. And I, I like that sort of Julian is just on his own. Um, I mean, I know that I'm talking about strokes in general there, but I think that really helps with this album. Um, listen, the Sainz's first album was... Um, was really decent and obviously it set them up for mass yeah. for bigger things and, it, and empire was really highly anticipated um and i think what was quite hard with kasabian is i don't think anyone could really attach a genre to them or still can't really attach a genre to them i guess indie would be the one you go to but they've done everything with their albums but i think kasabian's first album had people wondering a bit but for me is this it knocks yeah. it out of the park for, for me it's yeah. just it's got no skips don't skip any no. track on that album at all. You actually, that's, don't do you? No, that's the only uh, that's the only argument I can give. It. I think I'd skip a few on the Kasabian album. I remember. I mean, we. I think you were right when you said straight off the bat, this is a three 0 But just as some credit to Kasabian's first album, it was. I think I remember not being a fan of guitar music even yet because this is pre. This is two thousand and four, so it's pre Arctic Monkeys. Obviously, massively shaped my musical life after that 
Um, but like LSF was a banger. I used to LSF love LSF. Was a massive tune. I think I think we'll, we'll remember LSF from FIFA 2004, really, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. and I, I think I think for if anyone wants to sort of graduate to guitar music, I think Kasabian's quite a good bridge actually because there's there's still an electronic feel to the music and it, it a lot of it's done because on the fusion of beats together. But there is the guitar is almost process um, beats, you might say. Well, very good. Of course, of course. But when I look at the album, I've just got the um, the album in front of me. The first three tracks are actually really, really strong. Clubfoot, Process Beats, Reason is Treason. Um, two of them were singles. Like The third one definitely could have been as well. I think it fades a bit towards the end. That's the problem with it. But it, it's a great first album. And, it, and it's... Um... So that's 1-0 um, to the Strokes. So let's move on um, to the round two. Empire versus Rim of Fire. I'll give you my answer up front, which is I am going to say Room on Fire. But I think that it's actually quite a... It's not that straightforward for me because I think what I liked with what they did with Empire was they obviously... The first album was quite big and they properly go for it at the start of Empire. Like, with Empire and Shoot the Runner, it's quite a... Like, quite a, um, a, a big start to that album. I think, again, a little bit, for me, the challenge is just that it tails a little bit. Having said that, the Doberman as a closer is also an amazing track. And I remember seeing that live and that is such a brilliant live track yeah. as well. And it's a, and it's like yeah, quite a great. different sound to them and quite a, I think it's quite a, like a, an interesting challenge to their direction. But I think Room on Fire is also a, for me, it's probably like maybe my second favorite Strokes album as well. So for just a bit more consistency for me, I think. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it to Room on Fire as well. But I agree with Steve. I think it's a bit of a tight battle. I think with Room on Fire, you guys might disagree here. I don't think Room on Fire is that much different to the first album at all. And I think it's nearly just as good. I think I, I think the sounds are quite similar. The tempo of tracks are quite similar as well. Um, I think there's a few tracks you could interchange from both albums and put them on. But I That's really me. like that. I, I really like that because it, it shows that the band didn't really believe so much hype in the first and they they said look if we if we keep it pretty much the same this is what we're good at then people are still going to love it um you know i people, think yeah people loved it but there's always an issue when you recreate the same album um mm. that people expect progress and that is why it, 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 yeah i agree i agree but it's difficult because when, when we all expect progress i just don't think that people know what what they want it to sound like um what i think we, everyone wants whether a band goes a bit more electronic or a bit more upbeat i think that they just kept it i'm not saying they kept it the same but i think they kept it similar and that's why if i had listened to is this it as like an alien i would go straight onto room on fire and go wow this is amazing as well and, and it is so i'd have to give it to room on fire but M- empire is uh a great a great listen and, and uh, i think four or five tracks of the album they still like religiously play live so yeah um, tight battle, I, but it's two nil strokes by it's the two nil. just for my thruppence worth i'll i'll chime in and say yeah room and fire as well i would agree songs like reptilia automatic stop um 1251 exactly that's a run that's a three that's a run of three uh, uh, under control is my favorite song off room on fire i think it's just it's a bit slower the drums massive smash of drums at the beginning it's just quite a nice sort of casablanca's ballad really i really like a yeah. fantastic track fun yeah, fact but, that yeah. i just that i learned recently there is a new restaurant in uh angel called 1251 named after the song oh. by the strokes there is yeah just down just down the road um i need to go uh, i can't go there at the moment but i'm in homage let's let's all go there. let's see if we can do can we get a live pod going at 1251 yeah let's see if we can get that doing and a, and a free meal as well <laughs> right then, so two nil, two nil to the Strokes. What a start for them! Um, we move on to West Rider, Pauper, Lunatic Asylum versus First Impressions of Earth. This is a good contest. I've always thought with First Impressions of Earth, I can't think of many albums that, uh, if you bought it on vinyl, you just wouldn't flip it. I think, like, play the A side because yes. I think it's pretty solid. The B side. I've, uh, it's not doing a lot for me, but like the first right, like the first five tracks are pretty amazing. What is it? Yeah. You only once, Juice Box, Heart in a Cage. Heart in a Cage Those place. are some great tracks, amazing tracks. And I, you're listening to it thinking this album is amazing. <laughs> the the, the B side is like really weak for me. I actually, my vote will go to West Rider because, um, also because how big some of the tracks are on that album as well. Obviously, like everyone talks about Fire, but there's other massive tracks on that underdog where did all the love go it was a bit of a yeah it was probably the 
like inflection point of Kasabian a bit, wasn't it? And Massively. I think it's deserved as well because there's loads of good tracks views. on the album. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Matt, you, I, I went second last time. Give us. Give us your thoughts. Yeah, I, 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 exactly what I would completely agree with the analysis, especially of the strokes there. That first half of the album is unreal, uh, particularly for me for the first four tracks. But I think it just all bombs after that. Whereas for me, Kasabian, so tracks like Underdog, Fast Fuse, um, even like Thick as Thieves, and then obviously you've got like Fire. This album is what I, makes Kasabian big, isn't it, really? Fire yeah, is a massive song. Fire is it, huge. It, it is. Um, it's part of the pun. It's what put Kasabian on fire. Definitely. Um, yeah. I, I think that if if um, sorry, first impressions with Earth is like a football match or something like that. The, the first the first half of the album, you five nil up, and there's no coming back from five nil after that. There, there are no goals scored in the second half, and I, I don't think that's to say that it's like completely awful. I just think they set the bar so high with those five five, but it's. But if the strokes had been maybe a bit more careful and, and put those, dotted those tracks across the album, I don't know, maybe a bit more of an even spread, maybe it'd be a different conversation. I know we shouldn't grade albums just on what's what, how we read the track listing, but it's a hard one for me, this one, because Heart in a Cage on the other side, I, I'm, Juice Box is by far my favourite song off that album. And I think I actually... Contra, not maybe not contra. I prefer Juice Box to a Reptilia, definitely. Um, I think it's a bit more punchy. I think it's a tiny bit louder, not as hazy. But I don't think Juice Box saves it. I'm just going to go West Rider on this one. Just, it just, it's, it's a points decision, definitely. Which makes another clean sweep. So we're all in agreement so far. No debates. Um, so then we move on to our fourth um, matchup, which is Velociraptor versus Angles. Um, who wants to Velociraptor, take Velociraptor versus Angles. Um, my favourite Sabian song is on Velociraptor. Switchblade Smile. Anyone who's ever seen it live, which I'm guessing is us three and many other people listening, uh, it's the best live song. I think it's the best song. It's just it's an impending sense of doom and crescendos into just a massive explosion of noise. Uh, but there are a few good songs on Angles as well. I think this conversation is going to be yeah a few good tracks on each of them, but. I don't think they're um, as good as any of their predecessors. I'm going to give it to Angles, actually, just because I think the three strongest tracks are three really good tracks. I don't think the same could be said for for Velociraptor. I really don't know what my answer is. I think a little bit with Angles, the same as how I feel about First Impressions of Earth, to be honest, because I think that first two are brilliant, match feature undercover darkness. Taken for four is an amazing track as well in the first half. The back half mm, doesn't really do a great deal for me. Velociraptor. Sometimes I wonder if Velociraptor got a bit of a harsher rap than than it possibly deserved because it came after West Rider. Like they were so big at this point, it's easy to forget that there was so much expectation. Yeah. It was only two years afterwards as well. It, I mean, mate, it's quite a quick turnaround after such yeah. a successful album, isn't it? But you know what? Looking at like the track listing. There are some really good tracks in there as well, I think. Like Days of Forgotten, Roll Out We Used to, Rewired. I actually think if you asked me to put one of them on right now, I I would... No, I'd pick Angles. I was about to say I would pick Sabian, but I don't think I would, actually. Because I think the highs... I think the highs the on highs. Angles it, are better than yeah. the highs on Sabian, and the lows are about the same on both. It, it's a bit of a West Brom stoke, though, isn't it, this one? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a it's, it's, only, it's only going to get worse from here. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm going to say, based on based Machu Picchu, Undercover Darkness, and Taken for a Fall, I think they're three of Stroke's best tracks, to be fair. I put them right up there. So, based on that, they get the win for me. Right, then we move on to 4813 uh, versus Come Down Machine, <laughs> which is. Uh... Who wants to take the floor? Who wants to take the floor on this one? I would say, honestly, two pretty bad albums to be quite honest like it's re- really quite difficult like i look at 4813 and what really irritated me about it at the time was like it struck me as being just so lacking in creativity and they might argue that like this was part of it but calling it 4813 because that's the length of the album and that's also like the artwork i'm just a bit like it doesn't like i always just thought oh yeah that's that's the thing isn't it and then the tracks don't really do anything for me but then i'm mean, the same with come down machine which i just feel like is like a strokes kind of trying to work out what they are what they want to be like it's not really that different to what they've done before um 
nothing that exciting. I will vote for Kasabian purely on the basis there's a track called Stevie on it. Yeah, and that's the track. only reason. It's, it's a really a good track. track. Yeah, that's the only reason I could really give you. But I also um, cannot stand that song easy either. So easy. So <laughs> I like yeah. it. I'm, a, I'm all about I'm, easy. I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna put up a bit of a defence for this album. I think it's a little bit different. Will said they don't have a, a genre necessarily, do they? And this is one of those examples of what this album is. Um, Stevie is a pretty good song, but Come Down Machine is an absolute pile of dross. It is. Yeah. It's a bag of shite, isn't it? It's it's rubbish. It, yeah. It's got literally call it fake, call it karma. I like the I like the closer. That's it. Everything else. One way trigger. I don't mind welcome to Japan as well. I, I don't mind. I don't mind one way trigger. I'm I'm going to give it forty eight thirteen definitely. Um, yeah. On the basis that if you ask me to see either one cover to cover live, uh, there are some really good tracks that transcend live on forty eight thirteen. Bumblebee is huge live. Um, Treat. They do an extended version of that live as well. And I think I think it's another three, four tracker. I don't think you get any more on that album that's necessarily that good. But I'd, I'd go 48, 13, definitely. And I think they, they, when they bought this album out, they think they did a five-night stand at Brixton. I went to one of them. And um, there was a lot of hype around the album. But I think Steve's right as well. Like, just because it's the length of the album and, and it's really no creativity. It's almost as if, right, two years after the last album, let's shit something else out and let's make mm. it just a bit more electronic. But some great live stuff in there. But again, that if the last one was West Brom Stoke, this is Grimsby versus Rotherham or something. Yeah. Like that. It's not it's not a great matchup at all. But 48-13, I'll give it I'll give it I'll give it to the end of the season. It's yeah. it's it's all all agree- we're all in agreement so far. Um, What's the score? Know, what what are the three, yeah, it's three two currently to the Strokes. Um, you would never have thought it could be so tight, would you, with the Strokes versus Kasabian? But maybe mm. you know, this is what this is what it's all about. Are they record for record? This is what pound for pound. Who's going to win? We go into the final battle for crying out loud versus the new Abnormal, which is the Strokes' latest album. Um, should we talk about for crying out loud first? Yeah, got, I mean, great opener, um, Il Rey. Um, another good, you're in love with a psycho, I thought was I a like bit that troll. Song. I like what, that song. What, you're in love with a psycho? Yeah, I think it's all right. I, I don't know, I just think it's a bit basic. My, my favourite my favorite of uh, Are You Looking For Action, Wasted, uh, definitely the best on the album for me. But I could, could, it's interesting because the Strokes one's relatively new in our minds. And the last time we did a podcast, we spoke about it and we we're sort of just still discovering it. I really like it. I, I think it's much better than an album like Come Down Machine or Angles. I think it's it's got a theme. There's definitely similar ideas in it. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a couple tracks a bit like Bad Decisions. I mean, let's talk. I'm going to talk about Bad Decisions here. To to just have some guitar loop on the background and just shout bad decisions or, or moan bad decisions making over and over. Making bad decisions. It doesn't make for good listening. And you know what? It's 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 a shame because there are some like Eternal Summer, Selfless, the adults are talking. I thought I thought to myself, yeah, the strokes are sort of starting to rediscover themselves. I'm I'm undecided as of yet. So you two, you chuck your chuck your thoughts into the ring. And I'm, I, I need to make my mind up on this one. I'm I I'm not necessarily undecided. I think it's a decent record. I think it's okay, um, but I also think that it is better in my opinion than for crying out loud because I never really got into that record much at all. And there was it's, hard, get, it's hard to get into. Yeah, um, I definitely I like, vote for the Strokes just yeah. on the basis of it. We spoke about it in the last one, but it's a bit. Um, I think they try to challenge a little bit what they what they are and what they do. It's like gone down a different. Um, like I think I've tried a different style, which we've all said like is a, can be a bit hit and miss at times. But I think when it hits, it's actually quite good. I even quite like I quite like Out the Door to be honest, which I know took a bit of flat last time out. But um, the Kasabian album just doesn't really, uh, yeah, doesn't really do a lot for me. So strokes for me. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to go strokes as well. I mean, what Steve was saying about um, about the strokes trying to find what they were with Come Down Machine. I feel like with a with a record like for crying out loud. I still don't think I still don't know if Kasabian have actually found. I don't think Kasabian have ever known what they have ever really meant. Maybe it's a bit of what Stillman was saying on the last podcast. It's not about what 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 makes you think. It's about what makes you feel, which is sort of loud, energetic music that you can get into. Whereas the Strokes, you know, that there's a bit more behind the music. And I, I'd say New Abnormal is definitely a better album. Um, actually, 
thinking about it again not not by streets and streets but it's a better album it's more it's more tight it's more it's more well knitted together well that's it's a 4-2 win exactly to the strokes i think was probably expected before i think it's about fair it's about a fair it's a fair score it's never a 6-0 or a 5-1 but a 4-2 i think yeah yeah i think if you were to say it's still comprehensive isn't it do i like this I think I like the strokes more than double the amount that I like Kasabian, which suggests that... But then it's also interesting, isn't it? Because then what are you basing it on? Because I think then there's just so much towards Is This It, isn't it? It's because, like, that album is so far in excess that actually it kind of... It's interesting when you do it by album because it's not quite as clear, perhaps, across the whole span. We'll be returning with this feature next time and we'll have two more bands with the same amount of albums going head-to-head in Battle of the Bands. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait, Martin. cannot wait. Now, welcome back. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire has been on the TV all week, if you live in the UK. Some of us don't. Carlo, you remember to say that you live in New York this time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he lives in New York. There you go. There it is again. There you go. Um, it's been on the telly over here all week, every night. And so, last time you were on the show, you took part in a little game show, didn't you? We um, basically did play your cards right. Oh, yeah. This time, it's going to be a round of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? The Mad Sounds Edition. So, I have five questions for you, and you're going to have to answer them and see if you can get to the fifth question, basically. There's no money on the line, is there? Obviously. And you have three lifelines. You have Ask the Audience which is Will Sparks. Which is Will Sparks, yeah. You have 50-50, and you have Phone a Friend, which is Will Sparks. So, <laughs> so the questions are as follows, and we're going to get straight into it after this jingle. What was the name of Foles first album released in 2008? Is it A, Antidotes, B, Total Life Forever. C, What Went Down. Or D, Cassius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one uh, is A, Chris, or Jeremy, or Matt. <laughs> Antidote. Um, I'm afraid I'm not called Chris, but you are right, it is A, Antidote. How much money have I won with that? So we said that, that, that I'd, I'd go that, that's what that's a thousand in it that's a thousand yeah, on, yeah that's a thousand that's a thousand in the bank yep he, he, old, the audience are talking now are they over there fucking coughing like the away episode, over there. yeah <laughs> <laughs> come okay. on question two question number two there they are the audience going again <laughs> Tequin Will Spock over there get on with it get on with him <laughs> In what year did the Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain die? Was it A, 92, B, 94, C, 96, or D, 98? Is he sure? Does he need to use a lifeline? He's not, he's not, he's not 100% sure. It's not 98. And I think 92 must be too early, given album release dates but I probably will actually use my uh, I'll use my RC audience on this I'm, I'm, I won't say what I'm leaning towards so I don't want to influence the audience but I'll ask uh, Will Sparks please okay so the audience has concluded after a vote field vote all the answers, a hundred percent. You know that little that little orange bar, hundred <laughs> percent. That nineteen ninety four is the answer. Does a hundred percent represent the confidence of the answer, or the fact that it's a sample of one? It represents the amount of audience members that that gave that answer. And given I'm I'm the only one, there are zero percent for all the other options. Now I can't tell how confident you are. It's just literally the one you picked, but there's no context to it. It is also where I was leaning. You can you can you can use another lifeline. I'm gonna need it if I want to win a million pounds. I can't use it again. 
because you're going to say the same thing. Well, you're going to say you think it's 94. You're an adult. Make your own decisions. Make your bad decisions and use another lifeline if you want to. I'm really worried I'm going to get it wrong, but my instinct was 1994, which I guess was, I think, was answer B. But I don't. I don't want the. Uh, I don't want it to be the end of the game. But I'm going to say 94. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just won sixteen thousand pounds. Yeah, oh, that's a big win. Fifteen, 15 grand in one question. Brilliant. We're not going to give you that. <laughs> I'm just writing. Yeah, a bit guided. The lifeline's gone, but you know we 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 plow on. You know, it's got the, I'm quite glad you used it. Made for a better game. True. From a, produ- from a producer point of view. <laughs> if I'm going to give you lifelines, you're going to use them. Um, number three, and this one is worth £32,000. So, we're doubling our money. What was David Bowie's real surname? Was it A, Smith? B, Robson? C, Jones or D Johnson? Johnson. I'll beat Joe. David Johnson. Uh, no, this one we're good on. Uh, Davy Jones, which I believe is answer C in your hierarchy, Jeremy. Jeremy and Johnson. It's, it is like beat Joe. <laughs> Davy Jones. Final answer, David Jones or Jones. <laughs> It's the right answer. David Robert Jones was his name. You've just won £32,000. There's the audience. Screaming support. Yeah, if I'm allowed to do one thing, surely it's allowed to scream and shout. (laughs) Am I your... your, They have a family member in the audience usually, don't they? Am I your dad or something? You are, yeah. That's two from a million. Question four. Yeah, question four is for half a mil. Big leap again. Big leap. Which former Premier League footballer is Morrissey the long-lost cousin of? Is it A. Steve Staunton B. Robbie Keane C. John Flanagan or D. Ian Rush Luckily, I, all the good questions are coming up really, Chris. Uh, it is... Are you sure? I thought I heard a cough. <laughs> no, the answer, quite bizarrely, I'm sure we would all agree, is B, Robbie Keane. He's gone for Robbie Keane. Confident. Even if you get this right, you'll have £500,000. You seem confident. You're right to be confident it's the right answer. Get in there. So one away, two lifelines. One away, still got two lifelines. Indeed. So, the final question in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Mad Sounds Edition. What were Blondie named after? Is it A. Elvis's Rabbit? B. It was Napoleon's nickname? C. Stalin's wife? Or D, Hitler's dog. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna use my first lifeline. 50-50, please. 50-50. So, computer, can you um, take away one wrong answer and leave the remaining right answer? Elvis's rabbit and Hitler's dog. What a fucking matchup that is. Who's <laughs> winning that one for a start? I'm going to use my other lifeline, given that there's this is 500 grand riding on this. Alright, he's going to use it. So, uh, who, who would you like to call? I think I'm going to phone um, my friend Will Sparks. Will he's Sparks. a okay. big muser. Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
Hello. <laughs> oh, is that Will? Is Chris Tarrant here from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Oh, good heavens. Oh, good heavens. What can I do for you, Chris? Um, well, I've got your friend here, Mr. Stephen Pryor, who is one question away from winning a million pounds. He just needs your help. Um, and he's got 20 seconds in this cut-down version to tell you the question and give you the, uh, give you the options. Oh, I think I'm going to be pretty unpopular if I get this one wrong. It's a bit for a million pounds, but go on, <laughs> try me. <laughs> um, so, Stephen, away to you. I will. The question... You've got two answers and you've got 30 seconds, so I better hurry up. What was Blondie named after? Is it A, Elvis's rabbit, or B, Hitler's dog? I'm not too sure, but if I had to wager against an answer, or wager in favour of an answer, it would be for Elvis's rabbit. How confident are you? I don't think ITV would allow for production of such answer. I would go for 60% confident. Not the confidence I need, but thanks. Cheers, John. Good luck. Bye-bye. <laughs> well, Stephen, has, has he helped you? Has he given you any good guidance there? Nah, because I don't think that Blondie, when naming the band, were bothered about whether ITV would broadcast it or not in a, uh, in a, in a TV series. So I'm not sure about that. But I also, I don't want to take the money because it's make-believe money, so I want to go for it. And where, where do your, where's your own logic? My own logic is that Blondie and Debbie Harry were their own band, really, and I feel like they would have probably challenged some norms and therefore I'd lean a bit towards Hitler's dog, to be honest. It could be either. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lock it in. I'm gonna answer B. Hitler's dog. He's gone with B. He's used his own logic. He's gone against the wishes, Sorry, the advice of his phone friend, Will Sparks. And he was right too. He's won a million pounds. Yes. Confetti. Thank God I didn't go with the phone a friend. Won't be phoning you next time. <laughs> Shut up, you bollocks. You should be happy. You've got a million pounds in your account. <laughs> well done. Enjoy the money. <laughs> you said that twice today. <laughs> <laughs> God, there. Fantastic reference. Yeah. That's a bit of a very, very gamey podcast today, isn't it? Very gamey. Lots of games. Gamey. Lot, lot, lot of games. Bit, bit, a lot of editing, but I'll, I'll be fine. I'll look, I'll look forward to it. Um... Right, so there you go. That was who was been there. Well done, Stephen. Congratulations on your win. Thanks very much. Cheers. Um, so that, that brings to a closed podcast. I, I guess if there's anything else we haven't touched on, but we'll be back next time with some more games, some more Battle of the Bands, and uh, we've got lots of stuff coming up. We've got a uh, record store. We'll have a few, few more of them coming out uh, behind the scenes, and um, we'll be back for another silly, silly, funny business pod next week. I, I reckon. Yeah, can't wait. Thanks for joining us, Caro. See you Thanks later. Thanks for having me again. Enjoyed it. Goodbye. See you later.